Hello and welcome to episode 44 of the Giants of the Faith podcast. I'm Robert Daniels and I'm the host of this show, where we take a look at Christians from history who have lived out their faith in unique and interesting ways. In this episode of the podcast, we're focusing on Bishop Nicholas of Myra, better known as Saint Nicholas and the real man behind the legend of Santa Claus. This will be a relatively short episode, and some of the stories will definitely be apocryphal, but I'll do my best to make it informative and interesting, and give you an idea of the man who actually is behind the legend of Santa Claus. In an upcoming bonus episode, we'll take a look at the ways in which Saint Nicholas became Santa Claus, but for now we're going to stick with the man's life as best we know it. Nicholas was born around the year 270, often stated as March 15th, 270, in the ancient Greek city of Myra. Amira was then in Asia Minor and is now the town of Demre in Turkey. Demre is interesting because it was home to a large population of Greek Christians until the 1920s. At that time, there was a population swap between Greece and Turkey, and the Greeks left Turkey and moved to Greece, and some Turks left Greece and moved to Turkey. This resulted in ghost town villages around Demre where the Christians used to live, and those ghost towns are still there today. There are no stories of Nicholas's childhood per se, other than that he was born to a wealthy merchant family with Christian parents. His parents, whose names might have been Epiphanius and Johanna, supposedly died when Nicholas was young, and that left him a wealthy man at a young age. And Nicholas apparently used his wealth to care for the poor, and he was extremely generous and charitable. The most famous story of his generosity revolves around a man and his three daughters who had fallen into poverty. Now, the man's three daughters were all unmarried, and he could not afford dowries for them, so their prospects of marriage were pretty limited. As a result, the young women were in danger of falling into prostitution. And Nicholas heard of the man's plight, and he determined to help. He did not want public credit for helping, nor did he want to embarrass the father by making him a public charity case. So he devised a plan, and this is what he came up with. One night, Nicholas visited the family's home under cover of darkness, and he tossed a bag of gold coins through an open window. Uh, The bag landed in a stocking of one of the daughters that had been laundered and was hanging above the fire to dry. Does that sound familiar? Well, anyway, when the gold was discovered the next day, the father immediately arranged for his eldest daughter to marry. After the wedding, Nicholas returned to the house and repeated his generous act, and then the second daughter was married. Uh, The father of the girls was overwhelmed by the generosity of his unknown benefactor, and he determined to find out who was responsible. So after the second daughter was married off, he decided to wait up nights. When Nicholas returned for the third time, the father caught him. The man fell to his knees and he thanked Nicholas for his gifts. Nicholas was overwhelmed by the man's gratitude, but he instructed the father not to tell anyone of the gifts. He wanted to remain anonymous. And we can see from this story, which may or may not be true in all its details, but it likely has some kernel of truth. We can see the origins of the modern Christmas stocking hung by the fire, gifts delivered at night, and the gold chocolate coins that children receive in their stockings. And in some versions of the story, Nicholas dropped a gold ball into the stockings, which is why in many places it's traditional for children to get an orange or an apple in their stockings. The fruit is representative of the gold balls that Nicholas delivered. Another story or legend of Nicholas's life occurred on a trip by sea to the Holy Land. During the voyage, the ship was beset by a severe storm, and according to the story, Nicholas rebuked the storm and the sea was calmed. I tend to doubt this story, but it is the origin of Nicholas becoming known as the patron saint and protector of sailors. So while Nicholas was off visiting the Holy Land, back in Myra, the bishop for the area died. Bishops from the surrounding areas gathered in Myra to choose a successor, and one of the leaders of the conclave, 
heard in a dream that he was to watch the door of the church the next morning, and that the first man to enter, named Nicholas, would be the next bishop. So our man Nicholas returned from his trip to the Holy Land. He went to the church to pray and offer thanks to God for his safe return. As he entered the church, the bishop who'd had the dream asked for his name. Once it was given, he said, Nicholas, servant and friend of God, for your holiness you shall be bishop of this place. Nicholas was taken immediately up and consecrated as the new bishop of Myra. A life was not easy for Christians at the start of Nicholas's bishopric. Constantine had not yet come to power or to faith, and Nicholas had to lead his people through the Diocletian persecution. He was supposed to have suffered physical beatings himself during this final persecution of Christians by the Roman Empire. And in addition to his position in the church, Nicholas was a businessman and a trader, and he had a reputation of being an upright man in all his dealings, inside the church and out. Around the year 310, the people of Myra were suffering through a local famine. There was not enough grain due to crop failures, and people were going hungry. One day, ships bearing wheat and bound for Alexandria docked in the harbor at Myra. Supposedly, Nicholas approached the captains of these ships, and he begged that the sailors would give some of the grain to the people of Myra. The sailors were reluctant, saying that the grain was all measured and weighed and accounted for, and that they would be punished if any was found missing. Nicholas told the sailors, Do this, and I promise, in the truth of God, that it shall not be lessened or diminished when you get to your destination. So the sailors agreed, and they gave grain to Nicholas for the people, and when they reached their destination, there was none found missing. The miracle of the grain wasn't finished, though, because Nicholas kept the wheat that he'd been given, and he handed it out to whoever needed it. And the grain supernaturally lasted two years until the famine ended, and there was even enough left over to plant new fields. And to me, this story seems like it might contain an element of truth. Perhaps Nicholas did convince some shipmasters to share grain, and he did parcel it out to those in need. Was there more to it than that? Was there a miracle? Well, who knows? But it is part of the legend of St. Nicholas. Now, my favorite story from Nicholas's life happened in the year 325. By this time, Emperor Constantine had converted to Christianity, and he called the bishops from around the empire to the council at Nicaea. It was the first ecumenical council. Nicholas attended, and one of the topics up for discussion was the heresy of Arianism, which set Jesus lower than God and denied his eternal nature. During the debate over Arius' ideas, Nicholas became so enraged that he hit or slapped one of the Arians in the face. Some versions of the story say that Constantine was none too happy about this, and he had Nicholas stripped of his bishopric and thrown in jail, only to have to return his post when Nicholas was visited during the night in jail by Jesus and Mary and was given his bishopy costume by them. The oldest record of this that we have comes about a thousand years after the fact, but I kind of like to think this one's true. I even have a t-shirt to commemorate the event. Nicholas served as Bishop of Myra until his death on or around December 6, 343. He was buried in the church at Myra, and he lay there until the 11th century, when a group of Italian sailors stole his bones and moved him to the Basilica de San Nicola in southeast Italy. In the 1950s, his bones were exhumed, and a bunch of x-rays and photos were taken of them. And then in 2014, a team from Liverpool created a digital reconstruction of his face from the photos and x-rays that were taken in the 50s. It's kind of interesting to see, and I've provided a link in the show notes if you want to check it out. Nicholas is venerated as a saint in all the Christian traditions that hold saints, and he's admired for his Christ-like generosity and charity in all the other Christian traditions. His feast day in the Catholic Church is December 6th, and stories about him have given rise to many of the modern traditions around Christmas. I will discuss that in more detail in the upcoming bonus episode, From Saint to Santa. And that's it for this episode. 
I hope you've enjoyed this look at the man behind the legend of Santa Claus. If you have any comments or questions, drop me a note at podcast at giantsofthefaith.com. Until next time, God bless.